You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. This is not just foolish television nonsense. That's a real thing. Oh, it's real. We have the evidence. I knew you I wouldn't believe it. it no, off. you can't wipe it off. If they lose to the Lions, it's never. Well, how could like, they? It's one of the strongest sports media takes of the year. I think Fantastic. it's one of. I think it's the strongest take of the year. Mahomes back, throws, it is incomplete, picked off by the Lions. Brian Branch with it left side. He's gone, baby. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, live from Buffalo Wild Wings. That was rookie Brian Branch. NFL debut, being in the right spot, getting the ball, making the play. I know it was a tip ball, tip drill, and some will say, oh, that was an easy play. How many times, Raider Nation, do we see that ball tipped up in the air and not the play made? So shout out to Brian Branch, made the play, took it to the house, completed it, put up seven on the board that they needed as the Lions defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. And Nick Wright talking about a tattoo and whatever, 20-0. Yeah, that's why he's on that network. So 301 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now my guy joining us on the phone lines from NFL.com is on NFL Network all the time holding it down. He wouldn't say something silly like that. That's my guy Nick Shook. And Nick, Welcome to the show, my man. Appreciate you as always. What do you think about Thursday Night Football, KC and Detroit? Uh, I mean, heck of a game, uh, without a yeah. doubt. Uh, you, you can always make the claim that maybe it went differently with Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones, but the Lions should not apologize for playing who they played. They didn't set the Chiefs roster. They didn't cause the contract dispute between the Chiefs and Chris Jones. They didn't hyperextend Travis Kelsey's knee. They just went out and played the game that was presented to them, and they did a great job. It was a grown-up win. It was a win which they didn't make mistakes, didn't shoot themselves in the foot, and were able to overcome a deficit in a hostile environment. Jared Goff was very solid. You know, not spectacular, but very solid. All the rookies stepped up in, in different ways, you know, whether it was Brian Branch or Sam Laporta or Jack Campbell or Jameer Gibbs. Uh, it looks like they had a pretty solid draft, at least the first couple of rounds so far. Um, you know, it was a tone-setting win for them. They're not going to go win the Super Bowl in week one, but it was uh, it was definitely a, a bit of an impressive win for them and, and kind of told us that, hey, you know, these guys may not be a flash in the pants. Long season and, and a letdown game, you know, could happen in week two, but where they picked up, they picked up where they left off last year, and that's really encouraging to see. You know, and Nick, I've told anyone who will listen that I'm going to be late to the party on the Detroit Lions. I just wanted to see a little bit more. And, you know, I still want to see more than what I saw last night because there was a lot of elements that went into play. But they went out there and they won the game. But the one thing I do know is that they are definitely taking the identity of their head coach, Dan Campbell. And I don't know I don't know how it is that he's, you know, just he's, he's giving – He's giving them that confidence or whatever, but, man, he is really – he's making them believers. I'm kind of impressed with what Dan Campbell's been able to do. What are your thoughts on him? Um, you know, when it – it felt like bluster, you know, when he first got there. The yeah. roster was not good, um, and, and he's a guy that attracts headlines and for good and, and I guess, slightly bad reasons. Um, it, it felt a little bit performative or just, you know, the kneecap biting and all that stuff. It was like, right. all right, come on, dude, but – He's been given time to form this team in his image, him and Brad Holmes' image. And um, and after making some tough decisions last year, you know, getting rid of a DB's coach in the middle of the season when their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed in the back end, and, and watching Ben Johnson, empowering Ben Johnson to transform this offense into an explosive unit, um, he deserves all the credit in the world. He's a master motivator. I'd run through a brick wall for him if I was playing for him. It seems like a lot of those lines agree. And that he's, he's created a team that's got an attitude. I think he's told them enough times that, 
hey, everybody believes that you're not going to be what we were in the back half last year, that it was a fluke. Go out there and prove them wrong. And uh, I think they certainly did that last night. You can see it with the way that they play with an attitude, a chip on their shoulder. They got, they're got a little scrappy. C.J. Gardner-Johnson obviously handles a lot of that on the back end because he's you know a notoriously uh, active trash talker, and he certainly was <laughs> talking trash last night. But, you know, that's what you need. You're going to go beat the champs, the reigning champs. you got to go into their house. you got to come in with an attitude. you got to go, hey, we're not going to be pushed around here. We don't care if you want to ring. That's not what we're about. We're about to prove that we belong here, too. I think they did last night. You know, and final questions on the Lions and Chiefs. How big of stones did Dan Campbell have to be able to call that that fake punt early in the game and that aggressiveness that he had to call that fake punt? And I felt like that that let Kansas City know, like, hey, you're not going to roll over us. We're here to play. Throw caution to the wind. If you're going to win it, you're going to win it in your way. And yep. uh, he did not blink in that instance. And I think it caught them off guard because who runs a fake punt inside their own 20 in the first quarter <laughs> of your first game? Right uh, against the defending champions. Nobody does except Dan Campbell. That's what makes him unique. I think that's what made Detroit want to hire him initially. And he's staying true to himself. He's an authentic guy, and his team is playing you know, with that type of approach. And, and it honestly was kind of, you know, you take that and you, you compare it to the way they failed to convert the fourth down in the fourth quarter. Um, I, was, I was a bit surprised because he came out, I think it was fourth and three, they came out in, in the gun and dropped back the pass, and it was like, well, why don't you just pound up the middle? You're, you're a smash-mouth team right now. you got a really good offensive line you got a backfield that's capable of doing a number of different things, and you're a tough guy head coach. Why don't you test body-on-body, man-versus-man, who wants it more? I was surprised that they threw it there, but I think they learned because they ended up picking it up on the ground the next drive to kind of ice that game. That was uh, the only time I was surprised by the fact that they kind of went away from that identity. That's who they are, and that's going to make them so fun to watch. And if they win games, people are going to struggle. They're not going to struggle at all to find a reason to root for this team because this is the type of team you want to get behind, one that – is not filled with divas and it's just filled with guys who want to go play ball and they're out to knock you in the mouth. Nick Shook is our guest from NFL.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. One division I wanted to ask you about is the AFC North, and I know that you've covered Cleveland like a glove, and you, you know all about that AFC North. I think, personally, that's going to be the toughest division in football this uh, upcoming season. What are your thoughts on that division? Joe Burrow just got the bag, so uh, he's feeling good about himself. What do you think is going on there? How do you, how do you see that one shaking out? Yeah, the newly paid Joe Burrow, right? Freshly minted highest-paid quarterback, highest-paid player in NFL history, uh, getting massive amounts of money now. And, and a contract that we all anticipated would come. Uh, I didn't think it would come literally a day after he said, yeah, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's, he's now entrusted with he's the franchise, which is what they've been you know, happy and ready to do since he proved that he could be that guy a couple of years ago. So it makes sense. You know, there's, there's nothing to really complain about or nothing to split hairs over with this, with this contract. But... It just reinforces that this guy is going to be in this division. It's going to be his division to own for a decade. But the thing is, it's going to be tough to own that division because every team in that division is going to be bringing their own. They're all ready to win right right now. Now, they all look different than the Bengals. Um, you know, the Steelers, I think, are the team that could make the greatest year-to-year improvement. Maybe not in record, but just in overall expectation. I'm kind of bummed out that people have caught on in the last few weeks that the Steelers might actually be pretty good. Yeah. I thought I was one of the few that saw it before everybody else, and now I'm like, oh, I'm in a crowded room. I guess I can't. You put it on wax first. You put it on wax first. You're good. <laughs> sure, sure. We can go with that. Yeah, this is speech, as Deion Sanders likes to say. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, is, is every team in this division is going to have a great shot. I mean, yeah. if I had to pick how, how it shakes out, I had the Ravens finishing last just because I'm not a huge believer that they can just bring in a new offensive coordinator and suddenly be a passing mm. team. Um, but uh, Cincinnati's going to be there. I think the Browns are good enough on paper to be there. It's a matter of whether they execute. 
whether Deshaun Watson becomes the quarterback they expect him to be and whether Kevin Stefanski can not coach himself into bad situations. Um, hopefully he's learned by this point to you know just be a stronger head coach and not get too cute when it comes to calling plays. We'll see. It's a lot of prove it. It's a lot. It's a big prove it year for every team not named Cincinnati in this division, and it could go any way. But it is undoubtedly going to be the toughest, one of the toughest, if not the toughest division to win because every week between these teams is going to be an absolute dogfight. You know, when it comes to Cincinnati and Cleveland, though, Cleveland always gives Cincinnati a run for their money, and they start the season off playing them, but they always give them a run for their money, and Cleveland has some success against the Bengals. What is it about that, that matchup that makes it such a struggle for, uh, for the Bengals? For whatever reason, the Browns play really well at home against the Bengals they have for the last few years. You know, I went into the game they played against the Bengals on Thursday night last year thinking the Browns are going to lay down. because It was at that point in the season where I was like, they're going to quit on the on Stefanski. This is the start of the end. And then they went and played their best game of football all year. I think a lot of it has to do with the existence of Miles Garrett. For some reason, he always has some of his best success against the Bengals. He visibly affects Joe Burrow. He's after him the entire game. And the, their defensive approach in the last couple of years has been great against Cincinnati. Now, they have a different defensive coordinator, so that could change this year. And they did struggle in Cincinnati when they played them last year. Uh, two different teams going in different directions at that point. But there is something about that setting that Joe Burrow does struggle with. It's just the Bengals, you know, Joe Mixon might rip off a run here or there, but he just can't put it together over the course of the game. Same thing goes for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and, and, and things like that. It's just it, whatever it is, they don't play very good football there. And I think it's a personnel thing. The Browns are built to kind of play ball control and rely on their defense against this team. Um, but I think it's mental more than anything. Now, I do say that the Bengals cleared a hurdle last year beating the Browns in Cincinnati. Now they got to clear another one when they go to Cincinnati. That's, those fans are going to be turned up for that game. Uh, home opener. Browns traditionally do not do well in openers, home or on the road. They finally won one last year, but usually they start the season 0-1. So it's going to be imperative for them to start 1-0 in a division that's going to be a marathon of a battle. Um, I guess they have history on their side when it comes to this one, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Cincinnati's got uh, two divisional games to start the season, right? they got the Browns, and then they've got the Ravens right after that. So, uh, yeah, it's, no, it's not going to be an easy way of sliding into this upcoming season. Again, Nick Shook is our guest here from NFL.com on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, Nick, when we met, it was uh, when the Raiders were playing in the Hall of Fame game. We were sitting next to each other uh, at the stadium in the press box, and we were talking about Josh McDaniels and the Raiders' offense, and you were kind of breaking down a little bit of what you think that Josh McDaniels wants to do. Now, fast forward to now, Jimmy G's the quarterback. Jacoby Myers is one of the wide receivers. There's been a lot of roster turnover now. How do you think Josh McDaniels in his second year with the Raiders really kind of gets everything going, especially offensively? Like, how do you think this offense looks under Coach McDaniels in year two? Well, this, uh, this, <laughs> this situation with Chandler Jones gives me a little bit of worry about what the environment in that locker room is like right now. But it could be an outlier. Um, yeah. I think that you're going to start to see the Patriot imprint on the Raiders this year um, with the personnel changes that they made. You've got guys like Jacoby Myers, Jimmy Garoppolo over there now, uh, and they're happy to have Josh Jacobs back. Uh, luckily, they got that deal done. Really, what they need to be more than anything is cleaner. They just need to be a team that, that cleans up its mistakes and, and finds a way to move the football in the second half, which is what they couldn't do last year with Derek Carr before jettisoning him into free agency and you know giving him an unceremonious goodbye. Uh, it was... It's it's a team that I think needed a year to start to shift toward how they want it to be. Um, I don't know if you're going to get the finished product. Oh, I, I would I would say you're not going to get the finished product this year. So I don't have any expectation for them. Yeah. But at the same time, on both sides of the ball, they have good enough players to be competitive. It's just a matter of putting it all together. You still got Devontae Adams there. How does he work with Jimmy Garoppolo? That's a big question that we'll you know have to see. 
uh, with this group and the departure of Darren Waller and how they, you know, approach the passing game as a whole. I think it's going to look a lot different than it has in previous years. Might be a heavier reliance on Josh Jacobs. He proved last year he can handle that. It's just a matter of playing complimentary clean football. That's the biggest thing for them. They've got to be cleaner than they were last year. You know, and when Jimmy G wins, he has a complete team around him. So it, it feels like that that's what the Raiders have attempted to do is put together a complete roster. Of course, a heavy dose of the run game, but also pass catchers like a Jacoby Myers, who is not the flashiest guy, he's not the fastest and most athletic, but he finds ways to get open, and Jimmy G could get the ball out of his hands quickly. I feel like one of the biggest keys, Nick, is just Jimmy G staying upright and healthy, and I think that the Raiders' offense at least has a chance to, to be pretty good. Healthy. That's what matters the most, in my opinion. I think yeah. that, uh, you know, he, he, that's been his biggest drawback. That's what got him, you know, out of San Francisco is just the fact that he proved he could not stay healthy enough over the course of the season for them to trust him. And, um, and so I think that's going to be massive for them, especially if they're, you know, making a pretty significant move and getting, getting rid of Derek Carr and moving to Jimmy G. Uh, that's where it starts and finishes with the quarterback position. A big part of that is protecting him. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we know what we've seen from the Raiders' offense in recent years. The offensive line hasn't quite been as reliable as we want it to be. So it's, it's going to be a big question mark until it isn't. I think that's why they're going to rely on Jacobs more because, you know, the best thing that you can do for a quarterback who may not, not have all the time in the world to throw or has injury issues is hand the ball off or dump it off to a tight end. And they have options at both positions. So, um, it, But it definitely starts and, and ends with him. He's got to be consistent. We know what he can bring you at his best. Right, And if he's paired with a good defense, that can be as, as good as getting the NFC title game. It's just that there's so much unknown because we haven't seen this pairing since they were in New England, and that was ages ago. Back then, I yeah. might have even had hair on my head at that point, and that was a long <laughs> time ago. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to figure out as we get to this first month of the season. Yeah. No, there's, there's no doubt, and so that's why it's always so interesting and so intriguing when the season gets started because, well, you think that you know, and we really don't know until we see it. Well, we'll close out with this. We'll flip over to the NFC side of things where obviously that conference does not look anything like the AFC. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, they lost the Super Bowl. We know that the Super Bowl hangover is a thing. It's tough to get back to that mountaintop when you lose it. What are your thoughts on the Eagles? Are they still the team to beat in the NFC as far as you're concerned? Um, yeah. And it's a thinner NFC, right, with Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers. But I don't think it's going to be quite as easy as people think because I think the NFC is going to be tough. Uh, the Cowboys are going to give them a run for their money. They are a better team than they were a year ago. They have more options at receiver, which is one of their big weaknesses last year. Um, and then the Commanders are going to be a punchy group. You know, if Sam Howell can play at a solid level, you know, an average level, then they have a defense that's going to keep them in most games. And then, of course, you have the Giants. Do I expect to take a slight step back this year? I don't think they're going to advance and be better than they were last year just because I feel like they maximized their potential last year. Um, but they're still going to be scrappy. So I think it's going to be a tough division to get out of. Um, but then once you extend beyond there, the biggest competitors are really the 49ers. Um, I, I, you could see the Lions based on how they won that game last night, and they're going to be a tough team uh, to beat. But it's just there aren't as many contenders. So I still feel good about the Eagles. You know, they have pretty much everybody back. Now they had to replace their coordinators. Based on who you talk to in Philadelphia, they're probably pretty happy that Jonathan Gannon's gone. Um, but we'll see if that, you know, if that actually proves to be correct or not. Uh, and and they did, you know, replace their offensive coordinator with an internal hire, a guy who knows Jalen Hurts yeah. really well. So maybe they don't miss very much there. But there are some question marks. It's just that on paper, on roster and experience. I mean, they got veterans that are studs, you know, all pros: Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, uh, Fletcher Cox, you know, Brandon Graham. A lot of guys that you can rely on: Darius Slay. I mean, that's a that's a laundry list of guys right there that are ready to go play. As long as they stay healthy, I think they're going to be a really tough out and they'll still be the team to beat in the NFC. But it's going to be closer than I think people expect. 
Let me ask you real quick about the 49ers. Trey Lance got traded to the Cowboys. We know about that. So now it's the Brock Purdy show and Sam Darnold. Any concern with those quarterbacks, just especially if Purdy is not 100%, even though he looks to be 100% right now? No, I, well, I, I'm not concerned. I just think it's really interesting that, that they went with Sam Darnold over Trey Lance. It's almost as if Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch finally agreed on what type of quarterback they want, and that type of quarterback is not Trey Lance. It is a Brock Purdy type. It's a Sam Darnold type. Like, they have their archetype for a quarterback now, more than maybe any other team in the NFL, of who they want, what type of player they want, what style he'll play the position in. And it's just funny to me that they've committed that way because they're just straight up admitting, look, we have an offense that suits this style of quarterback. We can maximize their potential better than anybody else in the league. And if we lose Brock Purdy, we feel comfortable with Sam Darnold, which is just very interesting to me considering the path of Sam Darnold's career. But I also respect it because how often does a team aim for the athlete? You know, that's what San Francisco did when they traded up to get Trey Lance. They went for the athlete that could run and pass. And, and it didn't work out for them. How often do they try to reach beyond their means and live beyond their means as an NFL franchise? Way too often. It's very common. It's a copycat league. This is a team that says, man, forget what everybody else is doing. We know what works for us. We know what we want. We're rolling with it. So I respect it, and hopefully Brock Purdy can stay healthy, and I expect him to win a lot of games if he does. Should be interesting. They've got a hell of a roster. We know that offensively and defensively, especially with Nick Bosa. Uh, he's back, and he got the bag as well. So there's a lot of guys getting, getting big-time bags, Nick. Not us, but there's guys out there that are getting big-time bags right now. Uh, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Well, we're still working toward getting that bag, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> no, that's right. No, that's right. Uh, we got the QB Index uh, weekly column coming from yours truly all season. Uh, first one's up right now on NFL.com slash index. Uh, I rank all the QBs, starting QBs in the NFL, 1 through 32, and those change by the week based on how they play. Uh, we got that and uh, around the NFL podcast, appearances there. Uh, starting up a new show on the side in the Cleveland area next week as well. You can find all those updates and everything else, of course, at uh, Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, now X, whatever you call it, <laughs> at right. the There it is. I like it. I like it. Well, Nick, it's always great catching up with you, man. Uh, I'm sure you uh, enjoyed last night's game. Enjoy the opening uh, week of football, and we'll be talking soon, brother. Football's here, my friend. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he goes. The, Nick Shook, at the Nick Shook on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to always call it Twitter. I don't care what it's called. It's X, whatever it is. It's It's Twitter. At the Nick Shook on Twitter, fantastic work, NFL.com. You can find uh, he's got the podcast, he's got the rankings, and I'm definitely going to be paying attention to the rankings that he throws out there week in and week out to see uh, how it fluctuates, how it changes, and where Jimmy G is. You know, does he stay kind of middle of the pack, you know, 17, 18, whatever. I think that's where most people have him right now, around 17 or 18. Or is there a point where he's playing some really good ball and he's closer to the top 10? Again, not my rankings, his. I'll be checking him out throughout the course of the season. 318 is the time we're here at Buffalo Wild Wings. And, man, we didn't give out a ton of T-shirts. We didn't give out a ton of cups, a ton of koozies. We just gave out stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. We got more tickets, though. We got some VIP passes. We got some UNLV tickets. We got pretty much everything you want. Las Vegas Greek Food Festival tickets, everything. You want them, come on by and say what's up. Again, we're at the South Outlet uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Come on by, hang out with us. We're here until at least 5 o'clock. Got some folks already hanging out, having some uh, cold beverages and some good food, and that could be you as well. 319 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. 
This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, live from Buffalo Wild Wings. 3.23 is the time. Want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. The don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Talking about keys to victory for the Silver and Black on Sunday. What is it going to take for them to go into Denver and pick up a dub? Seven in a row. What will it take for the Raiders to go do that? And who is it that we'll be talking about come Monday, good or bad? I got a text from the 209 from Poncho. Yo, Q, I tried sending a text, but it was too long. I replied to you on Twitter, though. Check it out if you get a chance. All right, I'll do that. Thank you for that. Appreciate you. Rob in Oakland hit us up. He's from the five and dime. Because I don't think highly of Russell Wilson in their roster, my key to the game is execution. I think if we worry about ourselves and play with minimal mistakes, we win. I'll stop right there. Pause. Minimal mistakes has got to be the key. That's what Nick Shook was just talking about. We were just talking about that. He said the Raiders could play well as long as they don't make mistakes. And it wasn't those exact words, but that's basically what he meant. Right? They can't make the, the mistakes that have plagued the Raiders for years on top of years. Something that was a focus last uh, training camp and last preseason, and then it didn't come to fruition in the regular season. So, yeah, Rob, you're spot on when you say minimal mistakes. Then he goes on to say, if everything goes well, we'll be talking about Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly on Monday. Zeus, Michael Mayer, Tyree Wilson, Jacorian Bennett, Roberts Spillane, Marcus Epps, and possibly Trey Tucker should all have opportunities to make plays. Parham should be able to play an effective, error-free game. These are all Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly pickups. Uh, and then he said, I, can, I can't wait to watch a game and make real observations instead of all the offseason projections. Just win as Rob in Oakland. And that might be the best part of it all, right? On Monday, we'll actually be able to talk about what we saw. Last night when I was on ESPN Radio game night and we were on the air live when Kansas City was playing the Lions, we were talking about the game as it was going on. But then after it was open, it's like we opened up the phone lines and was like, all right, reaction, right? And it was like we are actually reacting to a real NFL game, not preseason, not a joint practice, not training camp, but a real game that, you know, there's a W and an L, right? And the, the Lions got the dub and the Chiefs got the L. So we're actually being able to react to something that we actually saw. And so to, to Rob's point is, yeah, that's, that's going to be – that is fantastic. That's going to be something that I definitely look forward to to talking about is, is is seeing exactly what the team looks like. Uh, Rody Raider said, hey, Q, I think the player that we'll be talking about is Nate Hobbs. I think he'll be big on a blitz and in coverage. Also, our key to success is converting on third down, keeping our defense off the field. Really good stuff. And the first time we heard Nate Hobbs' name, uh, as far as guys that we'll be talking about on Monday, I think him going back to the slot, if he does, in fact, go back to the slot, which I think that's where he'll be, uh, especially if Ja'Cory and Bennett's able to get the start. I see Marcus Peters on one end. I see Ja'Cory Bennett on the other end, and then, and then Nate Hobbs in the slot. If he's able to get back to where he was his rookie year, I think he can get back to playing like he was his rookie year. That could be exciting. I think he's got a lot of skills. Uh, we just need to see it. It's, it. It felt like because of injury and also playing outside that he took a step back in 2022. Let's go out to the phone line, 702-365-9200. Save Raider from Connecticut. I was just in Connecticut. Save Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? 
I know you were just in Connecticut. I was in. I'm in Hartford, only 23 uh, minutes from uh, Bristol, the worldwide leader in sports. I wanted to connect with you, man. <laughs> yeah, no, but, that's uh, where I flew into was Hartford <laughs> and out. Yeah, I know. I know it. Bradley International, and right down the road is where I go see the Raider games at the uh, at Bobby D's. That's the nice. Cadillac of Sportsplex, man. Nice, I like what, that. Yeah, man. It, you know, yeah, about sixty screens and one big seventeen foot screen, and that's where Save Raider is. But uh, listen, I, I checked you out on game night. Good job, man. And, and again, congratulations on your success. And uh, you're going to be coming back out here, man, or was that it? Just that one week. Um, I don't know. I'll probably, I mean, I'm sure they'll have me up at some point, but uh, I'll tell you right now, man, uh, I, I'm not a fan of the time zone there. I I, I'm, <laughs> I like being on the West Coast. <laughs> I, I, I hear you, man. I'm, I'm from the town. I live out here, but I'm from Oak, East Oakland, where nice. the spirit of the Raiders still lingers strong. That's the motherland. That's the birthplace yes. of the Raiders. But listen, what I like to see is that it was good to see the Chiefs lose i like to see the Raiders feed off of that loss and get a jump on these cats and go ahead and beat uh, the Broncos, man, and get a nice fast start. One of the things that bothers me, too, is I'm speaking to the cornerbacks right now. If you're running with a receiver, please turn around and look for the ball at least once or twice and don't just run with them. Oftentimes you'll find yourself being able to bat it down or come up with an interception. So yeah. play a clean game, feed off the Chiefs' loss. Go Raiders. I'm praying for the Raider Nation because we know that the Raider Nation, to be a Raider fan, I tell them all the time out here, to be a Raider fan is not for the faint of heart. You know, <laughs> it's a special fan base, and we've been through a lot. So I plant my flag right in the emotional well-being of the Raider Nation. I'm praying for you guys. Be strong emotionally, mentally, and um, go Raiders. Enjoy the season, and um, I'll talk to you later and see you down the road. Peace. Hey, great call. Great call. Matter of fact, that's a promo right there. Good stuff. Great call. Appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, you know, that that's the one thing that I think all of us have yelled at the TV or when we've been at the game, we've yelled at the game, right? We see a corner that's running with the with the uh, the, the wide receiver, and then you don't see them turn their head. And I do that all the time. It's not, it's not exclusive with the Raiders. I mean, I'm talking college football. I'm talking in the NFL. It doesn't matter. It's always, you know, turn, turn your head. you got to locate the ball. If you don't, it's going to be called every single time. Right, it's going to be a, a pass interference more times than not. You've got to at least attempt to turn around and locate the ball. And to your point, a lot of times if you turn and locate the ball, you could actually make a play on it. And that's where we were talking about who we're going to be talking about on Monday, and, and, and plenty of folks have said Ja'Cory Bennett. I think that that's what he's really good at is the fact that he's so fast he's not going to get ran by. Like I, I've seen plenty of guys try to run by him, and no one was running past him. And so he's able to keep up with them. And then he turns his head to try to look for the ball. He created turnovers while he was in college at Maryland. He, he did that. So he knows what it's like to get his hands on the ball. That's something that you just have to have. Either you got it or you don't. He does have it. The one concern, the one concern I have when it comes to Ja'Cory Bennett, this is something he's got to work on, is not being so handsy. He's very handsy. And remember, he's wearing a black jersey. <laughs> right? I mean, again, I never come on the show and I never start talking about officials this, officials that. But – when you have a reputation, and the Raiders have had a reputation as being the ones that are going to create a penalty uh, for years on top of years on top of years, especially the corners when they play good coverage and it looks like it's good coverage, pass interference, holding. How many times does it look like good coverage on third and 15, uh, holding for automatic first down or something like that? He's got to really be careful. Whatever he got away with at Maryland, 
you might not always get away with in the NFL. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just go back and look at some of the highlights from Ja'Cory and Bennett. You can go look at it at YouTube. YouTube's everywhere, right? You can go check it out if you want to. And a few of the plays, as much as I like them and appreciate them, there's, there's a few that I look at, and I think a couple people pointed them out right after he was drafted. It was like, yeah, that would have been a penalty. <laughs> that, but, I mean, you can't live your life like that. Well, can't get that guy because he's, gonna, he's too physical. I mean, it's f- football. You're supposed to be physical. But there is an element to that, especially as a rookie. Like, and this is a good example. Matter of fact, Sauce Gardner got away with a lot of hands last year, a lot of hands. And I'm a Sauce Gardner guy. I, I mean, I told anyone who would listen that uh, I thought Sauce Gardner was going to be the best corner in the draft. And that wasn't me going out on a limb. I think that was the overall consensus anyway. But if you saw what he did his rookie year on his way to winning defensive rookie of the year, he was very handsy with wide receivers. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, but he didn't get, he didn't get called very often. It was almost like that uh, offensive lineman for the Chiefs that lived in the backfield all, all last night. He never got called until the end, right? <laughs> dude was an dude was a, a extra halfback. <laughs> I mean, he was, so, he was so far off the line of scrimmage, it was ridiculous. But that's a whole other conversation. So Ja'Cory Bennett's going to have to really work on that, trying to keep, play a clean game and not got, get called for penalties like that because that can ruin a really good rep. He could have great coverage. He could make a great play on the ball and then pass interference, holding, whatever the case may be. So, uh, yeah, I like that, though. Really good call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up and said, Q&Ari, happy Friday, gentlemen. Thanks for bringing back keys to the game as we got Denver on Sunday. Keys to the game is simple. Our defense must cause havoc on Russell Wilson with at least two turnovers and three sacks. Second, we must score touchdowns and not settle for field goals. Finally, play four quarters of hard-nosed, consistent football. We do all three of these, we will win by 10 points. We'll be talking about our offensive line come Monday morning for a great pass protection for Jimmy G and our running game going for 145-plus yards. Lock it up, Q. It's so on for Sunday. Raiders. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. And, yeah, the offensive line, we haven't talked a whole lot about the offensive line, but I want to see what this new new uh, version of the offensive line is going to look like. You know, how, how much better is GVR than Alex Bars? Right, there's, a, there's an element of toughness that he brings to the table that this Raiders staff was a, a big fan of during training camp and during the, during the preseason. There's a reason why he won that job. That's the reason why he's going to be the right guard as opposed to Alex Bars. And Jermaine Illuminor, he's, he was very up and down. Early in training camp, he had some body language that looked like he was about to be released. I mean, his body language was terrible. There was one day I was just studying him, and, man, he was – way behind the rest of the offensive linemen, looked like he had that I-don't-give-a-damn uh, kind of attitude, and all of a sudden something clicked for him. And, I mean, that's how it is. Sometimes you have a bad day at work. That clearly was a bad day at work for Jermaine Illuminor that day that he just had the worst body language. But he found a way to, to hold on to that right tackle spot. He's the starting right tackle. Does that mean he's going to be that guy for all 18 weeks of the season? No. He's got to continue to play at a high level. They know that they have Thayer Mumford, who I believe that they're fans of as well. He's just not quite ready to be that guy. But – Jermaine Illuminor proved that he's, he's the best guy for the job right now. Is he going to continue to you know, live up to that, that expectation, that level? That will be something to pay attention to. But I, I definitely want to see the offensive line. We know Jimmy G has got to stay upright. He's got to stay upright. One more text we got from Mailman Raider Q. I'm going to say one key to victory will not, let, is not, will not be letting Russ get out of the pocket. No, hold on. Q, I'm going to say one key to victory will be not letting Russ get out of the pocket. Keep him in there, get him flustered, and make him make a mistake. We've been hearing out of Broncos camp that Peyton wants him to run again. I believe we'll do that, and that will be because of the Condor. 
and that's who we'll be talking about on Monday. I think Max has a huge game and gets a great start on his way to defensive MVP. That's Mailman Raider. And two guys have had a lot of success against the Broncos. Josh Jacobs, we've documented that well, and also Max Crosby. Max Crosby has had his way with the Denver Broncos. They went out and got uh, McGlinchey from the San Francisco 49ers. He's a really good run blocker, but guess what he's not that great of? A pass protector. And uh, Max Crosby's coming, right? What did Dion say? We coming? We coming? We coming? We're here? Max Crosby's coming. So he's going to have his, his hands uh, very full when it comes to Max Crosby. And I, I, I expect Max Crosby to really have a, a big-time year, right? I mean, knock on wood, obviously, you want him to be healthy all season long, but Something just feels like he's ready to break out and have that big-time season. I'm not saying he's going to be defensive MVP. I'd love for him to be in that conversation, though. As long as he's in that conversation, then you know he had a really good year. So that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, that was one of my keys to the game, too, is to make sure that they're disciplined. You know, they cannot, they cannot you know, uh, rush too far up the field. You have to make sure that you hold on to that pocket. You've got to make sure that you keep them in the pocket. And it, 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 it kind of the walls close in on him as opposed to uh, going too far up the field and he's able to escape out the side. Or on a, on a design play, a design little bootleg that he's running, like Tyree Wilson did against the Cowboys where he, 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 got, he went in too much, he committed too much, and Will Greer was able to run right around him and just basically walk into the end zone. That can't happen. You've got to be able to set the edge. And I'll tell you this, I know Cleve Farrell was never a guy that was a, a good player, for the Raiders, like never lived up to the expectations when they drafted him number four overall. The one thing I thought Cleve Farrell always did really well was set the edge. Like again, he wasn't a guy that got to the quarterback enough, right? And that was never who he was anyway. When he was at uh, Clemson, he was never that guy. He was just a really good player, a, a really good leader on that Clemson team that was loaded <laughs> with with great players. That's why they won the Natty, right? I mean, that's just who they were. But that's the one thing that he did really well was set the edge, and that's something that. Tyree Wilson's going to have to learn how to do. Max has obviously gotten better at that each and every year. And, and, and so I, I'm not worried about him. But you've got to be able to get that pressure from the middle so Russell Wilson can't escape up the gut. And you've got to be able to keep those walls on the outside so all of a sudden they just keep getting closer and closer and closer to him and he has nowhere to go. And then to Mailman Raiders' point, he makes that mistake. Russell Wilson is a guy, in my opinion, that gives teams chances to make plays. He'll, he'll throw one ball down the middle of the field, and he doesn't even like throwing the ball down the middle of the field. He'd really rather throw the ball deep down the sideline. That's where, that's where he, he really wants to, to butter his bread. But he'll throw one down the middle of the field. He'll, he'll make one, one weird decision. You look up and say, what was that? But you've got to make the play when the play is there to be made. That's, that's the biggest key. If you can make that play, great. If you can't, well, then he lives to, to, to see another down, and a lot of times that's when you get burned. So uh, thank you so much, Mailman Raider, for that. I definitely appreciate you. Um, Wisco Raider said, Q, it looked like the Chiefs were running the wing tee last night as much as dude was in the backfield, LOL. You ain't lying. That was so bizarre to me that nobody, and when I say nobody, I mean none of the officials ever even said anything to him like, hey, man, you're, uh, you're not on the line of scrimmage. Right? I mean, because there, there's, there's times – there's times where the official will kind of pat pat you on the backside and say, hey, you know, you got you to move up. You got to scoot up. You got to scoot up. You out of here? Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate you. You guys be safe out there. So there's always a time. There's always a time when officials will give you that. And he just lived in the backfield all night. It's like nobody, nobody notices. Nobody. And the, the funny thing is it's not the first time. If you go back and look at what he did last year, talking about Jawan Taylor of the Chiefs, 
You go back and look at what he did last year. A lot of times last year he did that as well. So it's just something that he does. And I think the key will be when the Raiders play the, the Chiefs that Joshua Daniels goes and gets in the official's ears like, hey, man, hey, man, watch this dude. Like if you, if you don't go and make that, that statement and at least put it in their ear, I mean, that's, that's part of coaching. You've got to be able to do that as well. Uh, you know, talk about it. Hey, this guy, he lives, he lives in the backfield. He's definitely not on the line of scrimmage. He's lining up in, you know, that should be a penalty every time. If you don't put it out there, they might not pay attention. I don't know how they missed it. The rest of the world saw it, but <laughs> there's that. Uh, appreciate y'all. 702-365-9200. Let's get one more call in. How about Raider Dave in Denver? Dave, what happened? Oh, just kidding. Raider Dave, my bad. Go ahead. Sorry, Ari. Oh, okay, we just now heard you. Sorry about that. What's, what's on your no, mind? No, I was just saying – I just say Taylor played so far off the line of scrimmage, man. I, I expected that guy to go in motion. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, the keys to the game, I think, is going to be uh, what's going to happen between McGlinchey and Max because right. McGlinchey's six eight, and he hasn't played since November tenth, two thousand twenty one. So this is going to be real interesting. But uh, you and I both know, as we've watched Denver, Garrett Bowles has more flags for holding than just about anybody in the NFL. Yeah. If they can start Wilson against him early, man, I think he's going to get so many flags. They may have to pull him. I, you know, it's just got to be, you know, a, a real problem for them. I, I would imagine they would run away from Max and run towards Wilson's side. But if Coons is in there, he'll be a better run stopper. I would love to see the game start off with uh, a twelve personnel and Devontae on the right doing a short in dig, and with Truck Tucker on a post on the left-hand side. We go offset to the right and got all kinds of protection. And I really think we could just surprise them. First play, big hit, down the field, 7-0. Uh, but I really think this thing's going to be like a 28-20 to 20, uh, score with uh, Denver only getting two field goals out of their four good red zones. And the Raiders, you know, two runs by Jacobs for TDs and, a couple, uh, a couple of aeronautical hits by Garoppolo. I'll be enjoying it, though, man. I'll be on the sidelines. I wish you'd be out there. Yeah. Well, that'll be one of my next jobs that I'll get sooner rather than later. I'll be out there on the sidelines. <laughs> I'm working on it, but thanks for the call. I appreciate you. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. And definitely would love to see uh, what you're talking about, you know, some early success from the Raiders' offense and, and uh, all that. That would be that would be awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, man. I'm excited about that. Let me get another quick call in. Ruben, Ruben here in Vegas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Very much, man. Congratulations on the ESPN gig. Don't forget you, about brother. us little people. Don't forget <laughs> about us little people when you make it big out there, man. Especially yeah. you coming from 297, from Larry, from Parker and all that area. Don't forget about us little people here in Vegas. Anyways, <laughs> I got you. I got you. But anyways, uh, real quick, man, I just hope the offensive line, man, I hope they smash that donkey Gregory, man. That linebacker talking smack about our owner. He man, was, yeah. Like so I hope, I hope the offensive line, man, smacks him around a little bit. You know, nothing illegal, some legal hits, but, you know, smack him around a little bit, you know, play for yeah. the owner and get the win for the owner. I like it. I like it. Ruben, great call, man. I saw that earlier today as I was kind of, uh, you know, in and out of service while I was on the plane. I was checking that out, and I saw what you're talking about. Uh, uh, Randy Gregory of the Broncos was asked why he doesn't like the Raiders, and he said Mark Davis's bowl cut. And I was like, first of all, have you seen Randy Gregory's hair? Randy Gregory's hair, and I remember Randy Gregory when he was a Cowboys. I mean, I, I've seen him for a very long time. His hair right now, and not that I'm just trying to fire shots at people, but 
His hair right now looks like Jimmy Butler when Jimmy Butler put that wig on, that long, almost Jamaican-style wig and was playing in the preseason with it, just having fun. He's like, oh, no, this stuff's coming off when, uh, when, uh, when the season gets started or whatever. I'm just, I'm just out here goofing. Like, Randy Gregory doesn't even look like – I don't know what he looks like at this point. But, like, that's the reason why you don't like the Raiders. And, oh, by the way, Randy Gregory, you haven't even been a Bronco very long. He act like he was drafted by the team and he's played for the team for a long time and he's got some, uh, some burning hate for the, for the Raiders. I thought f- – funny, I, my first thought was that was kind of a dumb question. Right? I mean, I've, I've never been in the Raiders locker room. It was like, hey, Josh Jacobs, why do you hate the Broncos? You know, like, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it, that was, to me, it was kind of a dumb question, but it was even a worse answer. I don't like the owner. I don't like the owner's hair. Like, serious? That's, that's what you got? That's what you got? So, I'm like you, Ruben. I'd love to see one of them guards or one of them uh, tackles come pulling and just, bow! Right? Lay him on his backside. Again, nothing, nothing dirty. Just, uh, just hey, man. That's my owner. Get a T.O. moment. That's my owner. <laughs> That's my owner. I like that. Let's go out to Raider Mac real quick. Raider Mac, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. Thanks for letting me on, man. Hey, man, uh, well, I appreciate that we have this uh, this format, and also we have, we able to talk to you with the station and everything. Congratulations, man. You deserve your hard worker, man. You deserve appreciate everything you, you get. You know, my grandfather used to say, if you don't work hard, don't expect nothing. You work hard, man, and uh, we appreciate you in Raider Nation. Uh, Q, the, the key, I'll go real fast. I know we're on time. Uh, the, the, the key to me is going to be is, is, is actually people are forgetting, but I, I, I think it's going to be Russell Wilson and Diablo. Diablo has to, you have to contain him. I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think they're going to score a bunch of points, but the thing is, Stop them. We got to get off the field on fourth down. Last last year, we were horrible. We could not get off the field on fourth down. And that's the key to the defense. Don't let running quarterbacks get first down on you. And yeah. that, that's one of the keys. And also, with the with the two receivers, going to be covered by some prime time. I know Devontae good, but so is that kid, that young kid, uh, the other corner for them. Um, so I, I think the key going to be Hooper. Uh, he, the tight end, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be the the other key on offense. Other from that, I see a twenty three twenty. And you know what? We've won five out of seven uh, opening days in the last seven years. Q. So and we beat Denver at Denver twenty 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 to twenty three um, about five years ago. So you know, hopefully Monday we're talking we're talking positive and start the season right, man. Appreciate you and thank you. All right, thank you for the call. Thank you for the call. And yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's the key. They've had a lot of success against the Broncos. And, you know, you feel like by just the, the, the numbers, the number game that it's going to, you know, snap at some point, you just hope that it's not this point. <laughs> you just hope that it's not this week, right? So keep the party rolling. I do think that the, Sa- uh, the, the Saints, the, the Broncos will be a better team under Sean Payton uh, just from what he was able to do with the Saints, right, when he was able to take over there. I, uh, you know, I, I think that they're going to be better, but I just I, I don't see them personally being that good immediately. So uh, let's get one more quick call. It will take a break. Gangster Raider, you're up. What's on your mind? Welcome What's to the up, show. Q, you already know how it's been to go down. It's going to be the um, Massacre in Denver Part 3. I predict a 45-9 victory, two touchdowns for Devontae, two touchdowns for Jacoby Myers, and two touchdowns for Josh Jacobs, maybe three. You know what I'm saying? And also, um, we're going to be the only team to win the AFC West this, this week. So um, mark my words. 
And also, remember I told you about Eric Bieniemy. I yep. told you the Kansas City Chiefs is going to regret letting Eric Bieniemy go. You know what I'm saying? They look like crap the whole preseason without him. And look at them yesterday. They only put up two field goals in the second half without Eric Bieniemy. You know what I'm saying? Everybody want to say Andy Reid, the Walrus, is such this great coach, but he was winless in the Super Bowl until he got with Eric Bieniemy. You know what I'm saying? Now, Eric Bieniemy is being gone. You see how they look yesterday. Everybody want to say it was just Travis Kelsey, but it, they had numerous games where um, Eric Bieniemy was there, but Travis Kelsey didn't play, and they didn't look like that. You know what I mean? And I bet you if um, Eric Bieniemy was there, they wouldn't have went for it on fourth and 25. They would have had enough sense to kick and it didn't get, you know, stop them and try to get the ball back. But I just try to show you. Remember what I told you? Everybody wanted to give it to Kansas City, and they forget that Eric Bieniemy was a major piece to their offense. Matter of fact, I think that Eric Bieniemy was the reason. Well, anyway, anyway, forget them. But they lost, so it's, <laughs> that's good for us. That's good for us. But remember what I said about Eric Bieniemy. That's why yep. I think we're going to win the division. You know what I'm saying? Everybody think I'm crazy, but I told you. I said we were going to be the only team to win this week in the AFC West. In the AFC West, watch that happen, and then we're going to take over. And also, another thing, when it's time to sell your tickets, sell your tickets to other Raider fans. Other Raider fans will pay more than anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Especially L.A. Raider fans. We got money out here in L.A. You know what I'm saying? So sell your tickets to an L.A. Raider fan. You're going to get more money, and it'll stop the stadium from being all the other opposite team's color. Sell your tickets to a Raider fan. Let's go. Let's get it. I'm gone. There he is, Gangster Raider right there. Mo money, mo money, mo money, mo. That's what he's talking about right there. Not mad at that at all. And, yeah, I mean, if, if that would be preferred, right? If you're going to sell your tickets, it would be preferred to sell it to a Raider fan. But, you know, at the end of the day, I know some people are just going to do what they do and make as much money as possible. Uh, again, I would love to see that stadium all blacked out, right? Black on black on black, right? Black stadium, black seating, black everything in the stadium. That would be amazing to see. Uh, unfortunately, it's not right like that right now. Can it be at some point? Sure. But hopefully uh, it's sooner rather than later. Gangster Raider, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. 349 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. And this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness, live at Buffalo Wild Wings with your boy Q. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll have some uh, sounds from head coach Josh McDaniels, who met with the media earlier today. Had some things to say about Chandler Jones. Had some things to say about this upcoming game on Sunday versus the Broncos. And just preparation. Defensive coordinator Patrick Graham also spoke with the media, so we'll try to get some of that in before the show is over as well. But on this Friday, heading into the first game of the season, I really kind of want to open this up you know, for Raider Nation to sound off and, and say what they got to say and, and, and let it be known how they feel. Because, man, I'll tell you right now, the offseason has been a long offseason. Like, I think we did a pretty good job, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but I think as a, as a radio station, we've done a really good job navigating through the offseason and making it you know interesting and doing the best we can with not a whole lot to work with. It's just different, man. It just it cuts different when it's the regular season. And I got that firsthand experience last night, literally being on the radio while a game was going on. And it was, I mean, it, it just, it felt good. <laughs> it felt good to come in from break and say, right now the Lions are knocking on the door, about to get a touchdown. Oh, boom, David Montgomery just punched it in. All right, they're up 21-20. Can the Kansas City Chiefs come back? And know that it meant something. Like, it just cut differently. So I want to hear from you, Raider Nation, text line, phone line, wide open line, small school TV attendance, 702-365. 9200 and the don't be broke text line at 69187 keyword RNR. Don't forget, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings. The wife just rolled up. She's up here chilling. She actually was able to go and uh, take a shower and clean up. Me, not so much. 
So at some point, when I get off the radio tonight at 10 p.m., I may take a shower. Or I might just stall out until Saturday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I need to take a shower bad. <laughs> and your socks don't feel right, man. Your socks. Have you ever had that situation where your socks just, they feel different in your, in your shoes? That's when you know you got a problem. Now, you don't feel normal. You know, when you put your sock on, it's nice and, you know, it's like comfortable, slides on your foot. But when you've had that thing on too long, it just starts to feel weird. That's how my socks are feeling right now. <laughs> my man Mateo sitting next to me shaking his head like Q's got a problem. And I got a problem because I got to sit next to him for the next hour. <laughs> Glenn in San Jose said, what up, Q? Keys to the game. Which team shows up with the fortitude <laughs> to, not, to not try and win the game, but instead take over the game and dominate towards the win? I like the Raiders' chances. 1-0, here we come. That's Glenn in San Jose. Had to edit the text a little bit, but I, I, I knew where he was going with it. I appreciate that. And, yeah, that's the thing, man. I don't want to see – and, look, let's be honest about the situation. You take W's how you can get them, right? So if, if, if the Raiders squeak out a victory, fantastic. They're still 1-0. Right, it doesn't count for more if they dominate, but it would be nice. And and I would, don't think that week one would be the week that you'd see them go out there clicking on all cylinders. I don't think any team's going to be clicking on all cylinders week one. I just don't. You saw mistakes by the Lions last night. You saw mistakes by the Chiefs. I think you're going to see, uh, I don't know, four games, four weeks of mistakes by these teams as they start to really try to get ready for the the you know get really into the the teeth of the season. But I'd like to see the Raiders go out there and have a dominant win at some point, right? Just go out there and really look like they know exactly what they're doing and they're clicking on all cylinders. 356 is the time. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get to your calls, texts, and some Joshua Daniel sounds. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.